All right. Well, praise the Lord and good morning to everyone. I thank God for this opportunity to come before you and speak the word of God. My name is Pastor Sharon Hayes, and I'm here with my wonderful husband, Pastor Lester Hayes. And so this morning uh, is just such a pleasure and an honor to be able to talk about the Lord, you know, to concentrate on God and what God has done in our, all of our lives whether we acknowledge it or not, you know, it, it's just minor differences between the saved and the unsaved. And I'm not saying Jesus is minor, but what I am saying is we all go through things in life. We have challenges in life, but except in Christ, we have him to go through these challenges with. We're not going alone. And so those who haven't accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, they don't take advantage of Jesus being there to help them through. And so this morning I want to talk to you a little bit about a thirsty soul. If I could use that as a topic this morning, it would be a thirsty soul. And when you look at that word thirsty, and it is a, a great craving for fluids, for liquids from the body. When we talk about being thirsty, if we don't go, if we don't have water and we go without water for many days, we'll die from not having water before we will food. Our bodies need water. Our bodies Children, women, men, or somewhere between 60 to 80% water, fluid. And when we go days without having it, it the, the mind is triggered to give us this thirsty feeling and desire and very, very strong craving for water. And so when we look at the way the body works, uh, uh, Things travel through our bodies through osmosis, the water, which, which create this osmosis. And it is able to travel and give our bodies what it needs. And see, a lot of time we'll see it, that need in the body. But we don't answer to that thirst spiritually sometimes. We'll put it off and put it off and put it off, put it off. And the soul become even more thirsty and we start kind of acting out on it and the bottom line is we're thirsty for God our souls need him and I want to go to the book of Psalms the 63rd chapter that's the Psalms we'll be looking at this morning and if we don't make it through this morning we'll finish it up tonight on the line at 7 30 p.m. tonight so let's turn to the book of Psalms. And um, I love this book. Uh, I was reading it and it just brought tears, not only to my eyes, but to my heart. It was like when I read it, my heart, it just leaped with joy. Because here I looked at the position that King David was in. And yet, his mouth was full of praise for God. And see, sometimes we get in these different situations in life. And, and it's important what we do. And so here we see 
in this Psalms, when you read the Psalms, even at the beginning, it tells you that it's a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Now, that word wilderness means a hard place when you look it up. And it, that's how the land was where he was, but also that's how his life was. And sometimes we find we can find ourselves in these hard places in life. So the location of this psalm by King David is described as a wilderness, the wilderness of Judah. And unlike many of the psalms that are written and that we read here, in these hard situations, the psalms can be filled uh, with complaints. But in here we see it is filled, this Psalm 63 is filled with thanksgiving rather than a whole lot of lamenting and, and petition. David chose to give thanks over lamenting and talking about how bad it is and describing to everybody how others did him wrong. He chose instead of that to give thanks and it really put him spiritually in a good place. Because if you look back, this song is probably written during the time where you look in 2 Samuel, the 15th chapter. And what's going on there, David's having a lot of family issues. And in, this, in that chapter of uh, 2 Samuel, the 15th chapter, you see where his son Absalom is out to kill David. And he has turned the people toward himself, Absalom that is, versus following David. So one of David's servants, and you can go back and read it, um, slips away to go tell David how Absalom is talking bad about him and turning the people away from David and to himself. And so David realized then that he needed to flee. And at this point, we see David is fleeing from his own son, even though he's king. David is still king, but his son is out to kill him to become king himself. So here when we see this, and I want you, as we read this song, to understand the position David took. Listen, things happen to us in life. That's for everyone. But how will we face it? And I appreciate the fact that David faced it head on. He did in this song. Even though back in the chapter of, of, of Samuel, 2 Samuel, the 15th chapter, we see him fleeing from his son, but David then was calculating what would be best for his family, and he took them to safety. Let's look at this psalm. It reads in verse 1, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. So here David is describing the place that he's in, not only physically, but in life. It's dry here. I don't, they ain't showing me no love. 
you could kind of see that in there. I'm in a dry place. But instead of David looking back in regret at his mistakes as a father, because he could have been there whining and God, oh God, my son, look at what he's doing to me. And you know, sometimes we like to put the scripture on the children. You better honor your mother and your father so your days may be long. But David didn't do that. He didn't look back at his mistakes as a father, nor did he look around in fear or complain. He could have just kept on God. Oh, God, I, I'm a king. I'm a man after your own heart. Why am I in this dry place? That's not what we hear from David. David says, oh, God, thou art my God. He begins to magnify God. He's not complaining. He's not fearful. You know, out in the wilderness, they're the wild animals. And on top of the wild animals, he's got to protect himself from. His son is after him to take his life. He didn't think about or complain about the discomfort of being out there, the danger of the wilderness. Listen to what David did. So he didn't look back in, in regret of the things he didn't do in life, and he wasn't really looking around him complaining of the discomfort. David, instead of complaining about where he was and his past, he decided to look up to the Lord. And listen to this. He reaffirmed his faith and his love. He called on Jesus. He magnified God. He said, Thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. Whoo, Jesus. We got to start seeking God early in some of these situations. We got to stop waiting and letting it get worse and worse and worse and worse. Let's seek him early. We get up. We seek him early in the morning. But what if your situation happened last night? Don't hold on to that to this morning. You better hit your knees and start praying and taking that situation to God very early. David chose to look up. David chose to reaffirm his faith and his love. He began to tell God, Oh, dear God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. Then he told God. Mm, mm, mm. He talking sweet to God now. In a bad situation, David takes the time to tell God how good he is. He takes the time to stand back and take a good look at God and tell him how wonderful he is. He said, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. Then he began to say, my soul thirsted for thee. Okay, David then forgot about what his physical body is in need of. David kind of set that to the side. Instead, he looked up to the Lord and reaffirmed his love and faith. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus, I pray that that be my action in a situation like that. I pray, God that we don't get so carried away with what's going on in the moment that we forget to notice that you're there. See, the scripture tell us 
And we learn from looking at this. David had a choice. In a time, at a time in his life when David could have been discouraged, he was encouraged about God. We got to make a choice. Will I be discouraged or will I be encouraged? Will I look around me and live in the moment, this situation going on around me, or will I look up? Will I throw my hands up to Almighty God and, and choose to be encouraged in God? He was in the wilderness. He didn't have a church to go to. See, sometimes we be waiting to get to church. Oh, my goodness, COVID messed up so many of us for so many reasons. Can't get to church today. That don't stop us from praying. That doesn't stop us from getting to know God and spending time with God. David wasn't waiting to see the priest. He had a situation on hand. See, whether we go to church or not, I don't know. Some churches are open now, some are not. But God is still everywhere, regardless to what's going on in the building. And, and we just got to keep church in our heart. That's why it's so important that whether we're able to go to church now or we go later, we need to stay in contact. We need to talk about the Lord. We need to lift each other up in the things of God. Just because a church service and a building is not going on, that doesn't mean we're not having church with God. We've got to keep God foremost in our life. So see, we see here that even though he was in the wilderness, he didn't have the priest to call on. He didn't have a church to go to. But he had God who will never leave nor forsake us. See, God's going to always be with us. He's there. I don't care what situation we find ourselves in. I don't care what situation is going on. We find, and I am so guilty of it if I don't catch myself sometimes, we can find so many things to complain about. And I sit down one day and I was thinking, you know, and I often think about this, how every situation that goes on in this world, God is there. <clears throat> he sees every child being abused. He sees every woman, man being raped, abused. He sees every murder that goes on. He sees all injustice. God sees everything and he is there. He's there. We are not alone. And I looked at the fact how God endures that and he keeps on loving us. He keeps on giving us a chance to do better. He keeps on being there for us. And he keeps us strong even through those situations. So why should we throw in the towel? Why should we give up? Why? When God is there. You know, I'm facing my situations in life, but I look at how it is multiplied over and over and over again with what God deals with. We see here in verse 1, you know, to say, my God, by faith, it transformed, listen to this, David's wilderness experience into a worship service. 
See, you don't have to be in church. I don't have to be in church to have a worship service. I can have a worship service right here and right now. David chose to put himself in the presence of God. David chose in a bad situation to lift his hands up to God and say, my God. Mm, mm, mm. This is how he begins to transform this wilderness experience, this hard time, this hard place, this dry and thirsty land, a wilderness experience into a worship experience. It became a worship service. It became all about God. Not what I'm going through, but who you are, God. And see, this is how we've got to change the atmosphere and get ourselves out of these hard places and, and begin to worship and be in the presence of God. David knows that he's thirsty. Yeah, the land is dry. But then listen what he say. But even in all that, my flesh longeth for thee. Oh, God. Yes, Lord. Oh, my goodness. He began to have this service and feel this love for God. He began to declare how he felt for God. God, I'm dry here, but ooh, you so good. Oh, God, I feel your presence here with me. I know I'm not alone through this situation. I know I'm not. He let God know from his own mouth, that's David now, that even though my flesh thirsts, my soul and my spirit thirst even the more for you, oh God. Oh, oh God, this is about you, not about me. I have you here with me, no matter how dry the land is. I have all I need. I have all I want. And all that I desire is you, oh God. No matter how thirsty my body is, my soul and spirit thirst even the more. I have a great craving for you, Lord. Whew, Jesus. I need you, oh Lord. I know what Absalom is doing. I know the people have turned against me. But you're here, God. I have you with me. And I have a great desire for you, God. If we look in the book of Matthew, the fifth chapter and the sixth verse, it let us know that those who hunger and thirst shall be filled. This scripture reads, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, but they shall be filled. And what more righteousness could we hunger and thirst after than God? It doesn't get any more righteous than that. And we see here that David is lonely. And he has this hunger and this <coughs> thirst for God. Not for money. Not for people's attention. But for God. He's already getting the wrong type of attention. We got to ask ourselves, how did David acquire his spiritual appetite? How, how did he get so thirsty for God? How did this happen? How can we develop 
this thirst for God, this need for him, this great desire and want for him in our lives. I'm so glad you asked me that. I'm so glad that's what's on your mind. I am so glad that the scripture answers it. It was by David's own worship he developed this hunger for God. It was all about what he already knew. And David didn't wait till he got to church. He didn't wait till people were watching before he worshiped God. We've got to worship God at home. That's one good thing about being at home. There's not a lot of excuses why we can't take time out with God. We really shouldn't be out and about like we used to be because it's dangerous, because COVID is spreading. We, we can find some good things in a bad situation. We should be in our worship, in our closet, right in the house. And once we begin to worship at home, it's about spending that time with God, letting God know what he means to us. In the book of Psalms, the 34th chapter, the 8th verse, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. See, David began to taste of the Lord. You know, David wanted to build God a house of worship, and God said no, because David had so much blood on his hand. David was a warrior. And he had killed many. But David still knew because what the sanctuary, how it was made. He knew about the mercy seat. He knew about the sacrifices and the lifting up of the hand. See, David couldn't go in like the priests, the Levites, because David wasn't born of a Levi. But David had transferred the Ark of Covenant back to Israel. He read Moses' writing, and he knew how to worship from reading the Word. And he took what he read in the Word, and he went to the presence of the Lord. You know, there were times David, was before he became king, he was out in the wilderness tending the, the sheep. And there were times he looked up at the sky and he saw the beauty of God. He felt God present. He wasn't out there in the wilderness alone. He wasn't just out there with sheep. He was out there in the presence of the Lord. He had that solitude time with God. When nobody else to talk to, didn't want to talk to the sheep, he spoke to God. He saw the beauty of God. He felt the love of God. He knew when the bear and the lion came at him. It was the presence of the Lord that gave him the strength to protect the sheep. He knew that. He had experiences with God. He didn't block God out when he was going through something. He invited God in. And that's what we have to do. This is how we build this hunger, this thirst for God, this need. It's our regular worship that prepares us for the crisis experiences of life. Listen to this. 
What life does to us depend on what life finds in us. Oh, come on. Life has got to find some worship in us as we go through life. You know, when you look at the olive and how olive oil is made, you'll see an olive on a tree. But the oil is what we're after. And when you squeeze and you bruise and you just take that olive and you crush it, this wonderful oil comes out. The oil is, represents the Holy Spirit. There got to be some God's spirit in us. There got to be some worship up in there. There's got to be a place where we meet God. And when we're brute, when we're just pressed and pressed and pressed in life, out of it should come some oil. But it only comes out if we put it in there. If we accept God's spirit, if we walk with him, if we live with him on a daily basis in our lives, when we're bruised, when we're crushed, when we're pressed, what comes out of us? Do we begin to talk to God or do we curse everybody out? Do we begin to love on God or do we begin to be mean and blameful? It's up to me what I place in me. It's up to me what I read, what I study. It's up to me the experience I give myself to the God. See, life won't be easy to any of us. Life has no favor. I don't care where you're at. Trials and tribulation come along. But we... Our preparation for these experiences, our regular worship will prepare us for these crises, for these experiences of life. What life does to us depend on what life finds in us. And David had in him a deep love for the Lord and a desire to please him. Is it our desire to pre please the Lord or are we just trying to please ourselves with cars, houses, a bigger bank account? Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having those things. But do they come before God? Is that what we're after or are we after God? Because the Bible tells all these things shall be added unto us. But we, we have to chase after God first. And see, because David had seen God's power and glory in his house, talking about when he was going and helping move the house of the Lord, and when he studied about Moses in the house, in the sanctuary, he remembered these things. These things came back to him. Because he had seen it before, he had read about it, he had stood in God's presence in his house when he was comfortable, he was able to see it in the wilderness as well. You see, he was able to be with God when times wasn't so bad. So when times became bad, he began to remember that. 
And we always say, we quote the scripture, the Holy Spirit will bring all things back to our remembrance. You, you got to know a thing first before you can remember it. If we've never seen it or heard of it or been in that situation, how are we going to remember something that never was? We definitely got to, we have to get to know God. Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter 119, verse 103 says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yeah, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Mm, mm, mm. See, David was familiar with God. He had been with God. He spent time with God. Listen, Psalms 27, Psalms 27 and 4. That's another one. David remembered being in the house of the Lord. David didn't forget that. David did not forget his experience with God. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after. See, David was in the wilderness. He was still seeking after it. He didn't have to be sitting up in the church with everything going well for them. He said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Listen why he want to be there. To behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Come on now. David is looking for God. David is going hard after God, hard after God. And this is how he was able to withstand, even in these hard times. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, in the book of Psalms, the 84th chapter, verse 1 and 2. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He starts out, how am I? Are thy tabernacle, O Lord of hosts? Mm, mm, mm. He's saying, how lovely it is, God. This is just how much he, see, he has a pure love for God in God's house. He talks about how lovely it is. He said, my soul, this is verse 2. In, in the book of Psalms, we started with one. Now I'm going to read verse two. He said, my soul longeth, yea, even fainted for the court of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Go on, David. David knew how to have an experience with God. We've got to experience God now in our homes, in our lives, driving to work, in the car. Sometimes we just got to say, God, I thank you for being here with me. Your presence is so sweet to me. We just got to talk to him sometimes and just love on him. Not because we need anything, but because he is God. Because he is sweet. Because our souls thirsted after him. And we have this great craving for the living God. Mm, mm, mm. It is our regular worship that prepares us 
for these crises and these things in life. You know, it's what's in us, this love for God, a desire to please him. Not just always after what we want, what we need. Let's make it about God. Not God giving, but God being. Just be here with us, Lord. Just let us feel your presence. Just let us be here and feel your spirit. Oh, it's amazing that when you see his presence and experience his presence, whether it be in the church, your own home, wherever we have our worship experience at now. I think back now, I mean, when I first got saved, I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget after years of being fake and phony and didn't even really know I was. I thought I was being a Christian. I went to a church one day after being invited, and I had such a wonderful time. But after about the third or fourth time being there, I was standing there, my husband, myself, our two children, and I remember just being there and just enjoying, feeling God's presence. It was like this warm wave just, just covering me from head to toe. And I'm just standing there. And I never felt so free and so light in my life. I never felt this before. And I was just thanking God for being in his presence. Still at my seat, probably about six rows, seven rows back. Eyes closed, just enjoying the goodness of the Lord. And then I opened my eyes. And I was standing at the altar. The Lord as my witness. I don't remember, don't know how I got to the altar. I just remember standing there enjoying the presence of the Lord. Experiencing him, feeling him, feel his touch, his spirit all around me. Whole body, mind, soul, spirit. Spirit came alive. Something I never felt before. It was just so relaxing, so good. Didn't have a care in the world, not a weight on me. I remember that. That was over 30 years ago. And I still remember that moment. I remember that that day I kept trying to figure out, how did I get to the altar? I never felt anybody touch my hand or my arm and lead me there. I do not know to this day. Well, I do know. The Lord took me there. Come on now. <laughs> exactly how he did it, I don't know. But I remember that experience. I remember it. I remember calling on the name of Jesus. It's experiences like that. Our salvation, our time with God. The moments where we're laying there in bed and God nudges us. And he said, come be with me. And you feel his spirit drawing you. Go, go. Go get on your knees. You might not have anything to say, but enjoy the experience with God. Allow him to strengthen you. Allow him 
to bring your spirit man alive. See, we're, we're talking about the word and, and, and we're saying things that we really aren't feeling. We're just reading it. We're just studying it. But God wants to take that word and take us in his presence and bring it alive. Give it life within us. Within us. Oh, don't pass it up. I'm telling you what a great experience. So great of a time. And I know I'm not the only one that experienced that. I, I, I'm definitely not saying that. But I'm sharing what I have experienced. And I know some of you can share experiences as well. I'm not trying to take anything from anyone. But what I'm saying is it's these times that build us up, that gives us the fortitude that we need to keep moving and not to give up in life. Because when we allow God to bring that alive in us, let me tell you something, a situation will come and try to knock you down and you'll be right back up on your feet. Don't even understand where the strength to get up came from. Oh, come on. And so I think my time is far spent this morning. I know I didn't get to all of uh, the scripture. I barely touched verse 1 and 2, and I promise you I'll do a little better this evening. But we're looking at a few things in here. There's four things I do want to look at, and we looked at, the first thing this morning, which is a desire for God. We got to, we must have that desire. We must have that thirst, that hunger for him. The second thing we'll talk about, and we did begin on that, praising God. The third thing we'll talk about this evening, remembering God. And the fourth thing, rejoicing in God. So those are some of the things we're going to talk about this evening. Um, I hope you come back and be with us. I pray that God will bring this word alive in us. Because the word written on paper is one thing. But when it comes alive in us, when it brings that strength, that fortitude, that love, that worship, for God out of us brings it alive that we can share it with God that's another thing and that's where we want to get to that's what we're striving for to have this spiritual life with God this experience with him that no one can touch there's none sweeter than God none at all and so Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for being with us this morning. I thank you for your word because this seed that you have planted is being watered with the word. More seeds are being planted in me and watered, planted and watered, and they are growing. You, oh God, are giving the increase in us. We thank you that you have given us your word, that it can live in us just as it lived in Jesus, just as he became the living word. We want that same word to live in us, that it will produce fruit and much fruit shall it produce. 
we are able to share your word, your love, your kindness with others, God. Help us, even as our day go on, God, that we can greet people with a smile, that we can walk in your love and your kindness, and we can help others. Give us this opportunity today, God, that we can tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. We thank you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. And I pray, God, that all the thirsty souls, everyone that thirsts, God, shall be filled. Just as your word said, oh, God, your righteousness, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord again. This is Pastor Lesson Sharon Hayes this morning. I'd like to welcome everyone this morning to the Creating a Prayer Culture for God this morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome for those of you who are coming in this morning. Amen. Welcome, welcome to the Thursday morning, Creating a Prayer Culture for God. Again, this is Pastors Lester and Sharon Hayes here this morning to just greet all of you in the awesome, incredible, amazing name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on this 16th day of December, 2021. It is still a brand new day that the Lord has made that we have never seen before the day. But we give God praise for opening our eyes this morning, allowing us to see and behold this beautiful day that the Lord has made. Amen. And to hear the voices of saints gathering together from all around the world. Amen. Chiming in this morning to hear what thus says the Lord. And so we want you to feel welcome this morning. We, we want you to come with expectation that you're going to hear something about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're here to make him known to you this morning because we're out to prove to him that we know him by sharing him with our fellow uh, uh, saints and, and servants and, and men and women of God, brothers and sisters in Christ this morning. And even for those who don't know him yet, that is about to hear something and learn something and be made known something about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We call it the unveiling and revealing of his revelations. Amen. Things that were written for our learning that we may be able to know and to be able to help others to come to a knowledge and a realization that Jesus Christ is the living word of God. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. He is the great I am. He's everything that he said he was. Amen. When then Moses said, Lord, who do I tell Pharaoh sent me. He said, tell them that I am that I am sent you. Amen. And so this morning, I am that I am have sent us here this morning to share with you the revelations of Jesus Christ. So we want you to sit back this morning and get your pen and paper, your Bible, whatever it is that you use to track along this morning, because we're going to be talking about the revelations of Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. In hopes that we may learn something that we did not know before Amen. And so it is my great honor this morning to be able to be, uh, you know, the teacher this morning. Amen. Uh, uh, the revelations of Jesus Christ, that, uh, the, what God has revealed. Amen. And so again, I'm Pastor Lester Hayes here with my lovely wife, Pastor Sharon Hayes, and like to welcome you. So let's pray and get into this word this morning. We already prayed, my wife and I have been praying about some things going on, but we'll just pray right now specifically over this word that we're about to receive. So Father, we Thank you this morning. We praise you this morning that we come together, one voice crying out to you in the awesome, incredible, amazing name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray as you taught your disciples to pray this morning together. 
Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. <clears throat> For thine is your kingdom, the power and the glory. Lord, it all belongs to you. You're ultimately still in control and in charge. And so we pray this morning, Holy Ghost, that you would lead, guide, and direct us through this teaching this morning. Bring everything back to our remembrance and shine new light on new revelation this morning as we open up your word. Reveal to us more of the truth. Take us deeper into the understanding the word this morning that we may be able, amen, to, uh, hallelujah, live a, a righteous, virtuous life before him as we prepare to take this seventh test and pass it continuing, abiding in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, mm. Jesus Christ. So be it unto us this morning, according to your word in the yes, first Lord. book of John, chapter 2, verse 28. Amen. This morning, as we continue, Lord God, hallelujah, Lord God, to abide in your word, occupy until you come, continue to draw near, stay near to you, God, stay close to you, God, through your word this morning is our prayer, not only for us, but for all who shall receive these good this good news and these glass tidings may it be a benefit to him, may it speak to him, may it teach him, may it reveal some things about the Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As I pray this morning, amen and amen. So again, we're, we're dealing with the continuation of, of the, uh, the study this morning, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the, you know, trying to dispel the misconceptions of men and to prove to God that we know him by abiding in his word and letting his word abide in us, amen, as we've been uh, so diligently studying and, 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 and uh, reflecting from the book of John chapter 15. Amen. Uh, all of those verses. Amen. We highlighted a few of them the last time we spoke on Monday morning, and there's been a continuation of speaking uh, from those from those verses of Scripture. And so verse 28 of this chapter says this, amen, and says, uh, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence. Amen. And not be ashamed before him at his coming. Amen. So we see the test here is that we are to we are to continue in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And what's the purpose of continuing? Amen. This is this bears to know this morning. What is the purpose? What is the reason? Why should we continue? Uh, that we may have confidence and not be ashamed of Jesus Christ upon his return because he is returning. And what we do now is going to weigh heavily on how we are greeted, how we are received or accepted or either rejected, how we are rewarded or either punished. Amen. Is what we do now until he returns as we work out our salvation and endure to the end to be saved. And so the, the, the thought this morning that we're going to be looking at this morning talks about shame, as we said, so we be not ashamed. So we see that God has a plan here to address and to deal with shame. You know, what are the things that will make us ashamed? That will, how can we be ashamed? We're saved, Lord, you know. And so obviously it must be a concern because God gives it to John as a revelation to reveal to us, amen, that there's a possibility that we'll do some things that we'll be, we'll be ashamed of before God. And so he says, you know, the, 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 the righteous, though, if we're righteous, then we're not ashamed. So we can't fall away. We can't fall back. You know, we can't go back into the world. We can't put the love of the world before God because that 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 is a misconception, you know, that we can do those things and live in this world and be of this world. And then all of a sudden we think, you know, we're not going to be put to, sh put to shame in the end. 
uh, the devil is a lie. <clears throat> and so we're dealing with shame this morning, but I want to also let you know the way that we as born again believers should, should feel about shame is this, is that if I'm righteous, I will not have to be ashamed. That's what he's mm-hmm. promising us. That's the hope. That's the revelation this mm-hmm. morning. See, that, that's the test right there. Is that, hey, if, if, if I'm righteous, amen, I can only be righteous through the blood of Jesus. I can only be righteous by giving my life to him. There's no, there's no righteousness without the blood of Jesus. There's no righteousness without the finished work on the cross. And so this is the only way that we can become the righteousness of God is through the blood of Jesus. And so we need to know that this morning. What the blood of Jesus does is washes away our sins and cleanses us of all our unrighteousness so that the righteousness can come forth. Amen. And so, uh, so we know that that's one of the fruit of the Spirit. So I got to have the Holy Spirit, too, who makes us more righteous, who purifies and sanctifies and converts and regenerates and renews us every day with the Word of God. Amen. And His righteousness. And so, uh, amen. So there is no shame for the righteous. Amen. And so in the book of Romans, chapter 9, verse 33 of the King James Bible, it says this, as it is written, I love this statement when it comes down to talking about, teaching about, sharing about, you know, reading when you read. I love to read the, the things that especially, that's my Selah moment. That's my pause moment. That's my reflection moment. That's my diving deeper moment when I see in the scriptures, regardless of Old Testament, New Testament, prophecy, or just teaching of Jesus, when it says, as it is written, bam, I, I, I got to get that, man. That's important right there. You know, it says, as it is written, behold. In other words, be aware of this. Be, be made known of this right here. You know, learn this right here. This is important right here. You know, put a tag on this right here. You know, hold on to this right here. Embrace this. Don't let this go until it reveals everything that God wants it to be revealed to you. It says, Behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And so when he says, I lay in Sion, now notice what he said, him, you know, he says, and whosoever believeth on him. So that stone he's talking about, that rock he's talking about, he's talking about Jesus. You know, he's talking about Jesus. And Jesus is going to be a stepping stone for many who believe on him. And he's going to be a stumbling block for many who do not believe on him. And there's where the shame comes in. That You know, between believing and unbelieving, there is so much room and space for shame. But there's also so much room and space for us not to be ashamed. Because it's in that space we either continue to be unrighteous or we continue to become righteous. Amen. You know why? It's because God is still saving yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. He's waiting on the unrighteous to turn to him and become righteous through the blood of Jesus. Because when he shed his blood, it just wasn't for black people, white people, Asian people, It was for la-de-da-de, everybody. He said, all souls are mine. No life on this earth is created by no other person but God. And because of the first man, Adam, sin, it made us born unrighteous. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the second man, Adam, we can be made righteous and put back in right standing. So there's nothing to be ashamed of. Some people are ashamed of the gospel. They are ashamed to let people know that they love Jesus, you know. They would rather have some other God. Jesus is too complicated for them, you know. They would rather have some other way. Because when they start looking at their unrighteous deeds, which they love, that's why they want to continue to be unrighteous, because their deeds are evil, 
you know. So they would rather not deal with a, a, a holy God because it exposes the unrighteousness of sinful man. And sometimes it's saved man do unrighteous things, you know. And so that's why repentance is so important. That's why he says, I'm faithful and just to forgive those who ask me and cleanse them of all their unrighteousness, you know. Put you back in right standing. That's what takes place now from the beginning to the end. You know, we have all this opportunity not to be ashamed, you know, to be made righteous out of unrighteousness. And so he says it right there. Now, he said, now Jesus can be a stumbling block for you. He can be a stepping stone. A stumbling block, man, you know, to you know, keep you ashamed and in unrighteousness. A stepping stone to help you step up out of it. Get on some firm footing, a firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ, the righteous Lamb of God. You know, he wants us to be righteous as he's righteous. He sent us all the ability so there is no misconception by man of how we are to become the righteousness of God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's through his shed blood that's still yet making an atonement for us, still yet there atoning, covering up a multitude of our faults, covering up all our shame and unrighteousness. If we turn to him and cry out to him and ask him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so we see right there as Paul writes this letter to Rome, you know, as it's written, behold, I lay in, in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. Yeah, many are offended by the preaching and teaching of the gospel. You know, many are, you know, but there's many men who are humbled by it. And that's, that's the power of the gospel and the salvation right there for all who shall believe. But how can they believe except they hear? And how can they hear except there be a preacher? And how can you preach except you be sent with this righteous, virtuous message? You know, and so, amen, amen. Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. It's like, you know, the book of John, it says, hey, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So we got to deal with the shame before we deal with being, a, uh, you know, being ashamed as we stand before him. Now is the only time and window of opportunity we get. Amen. This proves that we know him. Amen that we believe on him because of the righteous deeds that we do or even the unrighteous. It lets us know whether it's a stumbling block and an offense or whether man A is, is the road and the path to salvation in Jesus Christ. So he goes on to say in the book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 20 the King James Bible, it says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. I love this bold statement by Paul. Paul realized now that he's been made righteous. And so he's speaking now with the tongue of the learned. These words are righteous that's coming out of him. These are virtuous words right here. These are, there's no shame to Paul now. Paul realized now that God has, has, has blinded him and opened his eyes, and he see a whole different revelation of God now. You know, he see that Caesar ain't, ain't, ain't the righteous one. He see that Caesar was unrighteous, and all the things he was doing for Caesar was unrighteous too in the eyes of God, kicking against the prick. You know, persecuting the saints who was, who was, you know, lifting up the name of Jesus, and he was, Paul wanted them to shut up. And now here he is doing exactly what they were doing, talking about Jesus, the righteous one. 
the one who made him righteous on the road to Damascus, the one who saved his life, the one who filled him with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost and sealed him, the one who forgave Paul of all of his sins and cleansed him of all his unrighteousness. And now Paul is going about, man, no longer allowing it to be a stumbling block or a stone of offense. He no longer kicking against the prey. The Lord called him out on that road to Damascus. Paul, 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 why persecuted thou me? You know, why are you doing these shameful things against my people? You know, why? Why, Paul? Why are you offended by what they're doing? All they're doing is talking about Jesus. All they're doing is, is, is preaching in his name, teaching in his name. Why are you ashamed of that, Paul? See, Paul was blinded by unrighteousness. You know, it was a stumbling block for Paul. So he stumbled and fell that day, and the Lord blinded him, you know, picked him back up and told him what to do, and it was up to him to do it. Those were righteous words when the Lord told him where to go, what to do. And ran right into a righteous man, and a nice man, who, who, who brought him into his house, fed him and nourished him and, you know, helped him, you know, get out of that, that, that unrighteous state of mind he was in. And before you know it, he received his sight. And his eyes came open and he could see now the righteousness of God. No longer ashamed. Now he's believing. Now he's going trying to help others become converted and believe. And he says, it doesn't matter whether it's in life or death. I am the righteousness of God through my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul said, make no doubt about it. I'm no longer ashamed now. I'm no longer ashamed now. I'm no longer stumbling all over the place now. I'm no longer now being offended by what they were doing, what those saints were saying, because I'm now guilty of doing it myself. <clears throat> I'm going around talking about the righteousness of God. I'm going around trying to tell people about the unrighteousness of God and allowing them to make a choice, righteousness or unrighteousness. And so Paul says it right there, according to the eternal expectation and my hope that is in nothing. He said that in nothing. I shall be ashamed. Not anymore. The light is going off now. Paul said, the word of God has come in directly from God straight to my heart, straight to my spirit and changed me. That righteousness penetrated. I, Paul said, hey, hey, you know, how am I persecuting you? You know, he wanted to know, man, you know, stumbling all over the place. You know, he says, you know, I shall, I, uh, he said nothing. He says that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body whether I be in life or in death Paul now was totally sold out and committed it was all the way in righteousness now nothing was going to turn him back now nothing was going to cause him to look back and put his hand to the plow and work in those old unrighteous shameful things anymore Paul said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me and I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus before me. You know, Paul wrote that. And so he goes on here, man, to say also in the book of 1 Peter, let's see what Peter got to say here. Amen. Uh, also, too, who was a person who was full of unrighteous deeds and stumbling all over the place and was offended in time they told him that he was with Jesus and knew Jesus. And Jesus had already told him, Peter, man, you know, I know you're going to deny me three times before the cock crowed Christ. So don't kid yourself. I already see ahead of time your unrighteous deeds. But I'm telling you ahead of time so that when it happens, you'll no longer be ashamed, but you will be convicted. You know, because you'll remember what I told you now that I'm with you. 
Because, see, I chose you. You didn't choose me, Peter. I chose you to be righteous. I chose you to come out of unrighteousness. You know, when Satan was at your door, trying to sift you like wheat, I prayed for you, Peter. I didn't pray no unrighteous prayer. I prayed a righteous prayer. Now, what prayer you think is going to be answered? That prayer I prayed for you to be delivered out of your unrighteous deeds, your unrighteous denial of me, your unrighteous rejection of me, your unrighteous uh, knowing uh, knowing me and then telling people you don't know me. You're ashamed. Shame on you, Peter. But I'm going to look beyond that, Peter, because I got, I got a purpose for you. I got a plan for you. You're going to be one of my ministers of righteousness through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Peter. These things stuck with Peter, penetrated his heart. You know, they were not just mere words. You know, they were words coming from a righteous vessel, you know. So it had that, that tone of righteousness to it. Peter knew it was right when he heard it. But he just didn't have the ability, man, to really comprehend it, to really uh, abide in it, you know, which is what we're talking about. He didn't know how to prove that he knew God, so he tried to prove that he didn't know him. But the Lord looked beyond that and prayed for him. So who you think, who you who prayer you think got answered? The one that Satan was trying to sift him as wheat, or the one the Lord prayed? Remember, the Lord prayed to the Father, all those you have given to me, Father. I pray you you, you sanctify them with your word. Your word is truth. The word that came through Jesus was straight from the Father, went right into Peter's heart, penetrated, sharp, powerful, quick, delivered him inside. But it was yet to be manifested on the outside. And he stumbled all over the place. Every time somebody asked him, where are you with him? You know, he stumbling, ashamed. But there came a time when he was no longer ashamed and he was no longer stumbling. He was free. And so let's see what he says here uh, in the book of 1 Peter, amen, chapter 4, verse 16, the King James Bible. He says, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God on this behalf. Now, that's Peter right. Peter went through all of this. Peter lived through all these changes. And look at what he learned. Look at what he wrote. Look at what he said. Look what came out of that experience, that encounter, that relationship, that conversation he had with God through Jesus Christ. He said, if any man suffer as a Christian, Peter suffered as a Christian, put in jail, locked up, mm-hmm. you know, but people prayed for him. See, when you're trying to deny God and run away from God, and when God has called you and chosen you for a certain thing, and you try to deny God and be ashamed of God, and act like you don't know God, mm-hmm. there will be some suffering for Christ's sake, yes, you know, so that the revelation can come and reveal why, why is this happening to me? It's because I'm trying to reject him. I'm trying to deny him. And thank God Peter got it right before the end of his life because, see, the Bible says that you deny him before men, he's going to deny you before his father. You reject him before men, he will deny you before his father. Thank God that Peter got it right. Peter and Paul and these apostles, they were instrumental in what we are learning now, what is written. They wrote down these experiences. They, these experiences about them were written down for our learning. Prayerfully that we don't make the same mistakes and we can learn from them. That's why I say, man, I love to look to the Bible for examples. My message on Sunday, talking about how to be a good steward. I didn't say how to be a perfect person, but how to be a good steward over the things of God. 
let him work out the perfection if there's to be any perfection in us. Let the word regenerate and renew us in the things of God. And so when you look to the Bible and see all these wonderful examples that we can draw strength from and learn from, things that not to do as well as things to do, and look at the results and the benefits, and their suffering is a part of it. Anyone who tried to live God that would suffer persecution for his namesake. Peter and them learned this. And God turned this around, the things that they suffered. He said, if you suffer for me, you're going to reign with me. That's right. You know, if you die for me, you're going to live with me in eternity. Mm. You know, what a great reward. And Peter figured this thing out before it was too late. His day of denying Christ, thumbing all over the place, and letting the, the, the fact that he knew Jesus, man, no longer be a private relationship, man. But he had to, he had to come out and confess, man. He had to, he, you know, he said, hey, you, you told me not to talk in this, preach and speak in this name anymore, but I can't help myself because it's better to obey God than just obey man. I'm free now. He got me out of that dungeon. You know, and so here it is, man. He says, hey, you know, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So he went out there and he preached, man. He preached in the name of Jesus. He was a free man now. No more being ashamed. No more stumbling over the fact every time somebody asked him. He was glad to go out there now, man, and preach. And as he preached on the day of Pentecost, man, people heard him. This Peter, he, they heard him. This, the fisherman, this who did Peter? The Bible said what Peter told him about Jesus Christ, what he revealed to him about Jesus Christ, man, exposed the misconception of man to a point, man, where they were pricked in their hearts. Yes. And the Bible said, they said, well, oh, well, wait a minute. What, 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 what must we do, Peter? Mm-hmm. You know, to have this righteousness, to, to, to stop stumbling over this thing. And Peter told him, hey, repent in the name of the Lord Jesus. Repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And you shall receive the Holy Ghost, the one that is making me righteous right now. And this is a promise from God, not only for you, but for your, your seed, your children, your children's children, every generation of your seed right now, and unto all those people who are far off yet to come. You know, Peter got that thing right finally. And we go on here and we look in the book of First John chapter uh Verse 28 again, the King James Bible says, And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. See, Peter and them made it in. Paul and them made it in. They endured all the way to the end of their life, mortar, crucified, sawed in half, hung upside down. You know, they died. Paul said, in life and in death. They were put to death for what they believed. All the way to the end. They, 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 they suffered in righteousness. They were put to death in righteousness. They died in righteousness. And they're going to be resurrected in that day in righteousness, not unrighteousness. They all got it right before it was too late. And so their, their, their deeds became righteous because the Lord turned their unrighteousness under righteousness. Took away their shame. Took away the offense and the stumbling. And placed them on a solid rock to stay until they died or were, or were mortared. And so as we look now, uh, Jesus Christ's second coming, okay, it talks about that so that we'll be able to stand in that second coming. So let's deal with that portion of this scripture now. You know, this is, this is now focusing on our, our preparation. 
you know, what we've learned, what we've seen, what we know now. So let's just deal with that part of, of, of verse 28, where it talks about there, you know, being confident, you know, uh, you know, you won't be a, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Okay. At his coming. That's the last part of at his coming. So we move from being, not being ashamed because the righteous will not be ashamed. So let's look at, at his coming here. Jesus Christ's second coming is what we're talking about. He's already came the first time. So, you know, but he's coming again. So since we now are the same boat they were in, what are we going to do from this point all the way to the end, to his coming? And so let's kind of look here and see about Jesus Christ's second coming. What, it, what does our preparation look like? What does that entail? You know, what is, you know, they got it right before it was too late. We need to get it right before Jesus comes. Because he can come suddenly. Uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 44, the King James Bible, which specifically deals with end time events. Let's see what Matthew wrote here. He says, therefore, be ye also ready. Peter and them got it right. Paul and them got it right. You know, all of those apostles, some of them, except for Judas Iscariot, they got it right before it was too late. They went through some things now because they tried to kick against the prick like Paul. They tried to do it their way. But thank God for the Lord, what he taught them when he was with them. Thank God for the Holy Ghost that he sent back to help them and is still helping us today. Same helper, same comforter, you know, same spirit of truth that they they had after Jesus was glorified. He sent the promise of the Father to be that paracletos, that comforter, that spirit of truth to teach them, you know, the anointing, you know, abiding with them in truth. Still today is with us the same way he's with us. The truth is with us. God has given us and equipped us with everything we need to live a righteous life before him, not a life of shame and disgrace. So we can't hide this light. We can't hide this. You know, he said, we are like a city that's set on a hill. We cannot be hid, but we are to let our light so shine that men will see our good works and they too will glorify our Father which is in heaven. That's that righteousness, see, that righteous light. And he goes on there to say, therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. <coughs> you know, that's a promise. He ain't lying to us. He's telling us the truth. But we don't know when that hour is. No man knows. It's with the Father. The Son don't even know. It's with the Father. And it can have Bible said it will be suddenly, like a thief in the night. And he goes on to say in the book of Luke, uh, chapter 19, verse 13, the King James Bible says, and that other scripture was the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 44, the King James Bible. So let's look at what it says here in the book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 13 of the King James Bible. And he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said unto them, occupy till I come. That word is we, 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 we've, been, we've been dealing with, occupy. So when you're waiting, you don't just sit still and do nothing. There are times when you have to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But most of the time, we're occupying. We're busy for the Lord. We're, we're busy either praying or studying or sharing or helping or visiting, you know, the, 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 those that are bound and confined. You know, we're, you know we're, we're doing the work that God called us to do because remember what Jesus told his disciples, these, these ten here and others when he called them he said look here you know you know uh I'm, I'm i want you to go and do whatever your hands find to do do it all to the glory of god 
You know, we learned that scripture the other morning. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. We learned that scripture in the school of healing. You know, everything we do, you know, even when it comes down to what we eat, mm. you know, how we live, how we work on our job, whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. And Jesus said to the disciples, the work that you saw me do, you're going to do. So he, he, he's, he's, he's telling you right there, you're not going to be lonesome, lonesome and a, a lazy body, but you're not going to be a busy body either. You're going to make the work that you do count because you're going to do the work that I did. That's good works, now that you say. You know, and greater works than these shall ye do. You know, what he's saying is, hey, I only had three and a half years. Some of you got years to serve me. Yes. You know, I, I only had, even though I was 33 and a half years old, but I was 30 years old before I started doing any ministry. And look at how much I did in those three and a half years. So you're going to do what I did, and you're going to do greater work. You're going to do much, much more than I did. Yes. You know. But you're not going to be lazy and think you're going to get into heaven. You know. And think you're going to be my disciple. Because the only thing you're going to take out of this world with you is your good works. Mm. What you did after you got saved. You know, after Jesus had been taught, you know, he'd been in the synagogue learning he finally finished everything that we were going to be tempted with as human beings. He did it. Finally, John baptized him. And the father said, this is my beloved son of whom I'm well pleased. That dove-like figure, the Holy Ghost, came upon him and empowered him. And now he transitioned from being just the son of man to now being approved as the son of God. And the Bible said immediately he was led into the wilderness and full of the Holy Ghost, full of power, full of wisdom, full of it. And he went on and did three and a half years of ministry from there. And so some of us got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and ain't did, ain't lifted a hand, do nothing in the name of Jesus. We just like Peter. And I'm I'm speaking to the broader audience now. I don't know about on this phone. Think Pastor Les is throwing shade on you. You know where you at. You 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 know how you proving that you know him. I'm just, that's not about you know indictment on you. This is just <clears throat> what the Word is saying to us, you know, and we got to contend with it. What is what the Scriptures say. And it says, you know, and he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds. In other words, 10 pound a piece. Mm -hmm. In other words, what you what I called you to do, that pound I gave you is enough to get it done. If you go out greedy, begging, want more, you know, that's what greed will do. That's what greed will do. It'll want you to want more than what God has blessed you with, what God has given you. And he's given us more than enough. But some people just can't help themselves. The love of that money is the root of all evil. You know, they just can't help themselves. They see all the luxurious things, the material things that, that they can have. And some people's in ministry. That's the only reason they're in ministry, to see what they can get out of it. Mm -hmm. Not what God can get out of you for the people, but what you can get out of God for you. Mm -hmm. Kind of. An unrighteous servant versus a righteous servant. See, a righteous servant going to do it God's way. An unrighteous servant is going to do it the way they understand it, lean to what they understand, not what the scriptures say. You know? mm -hmm. Sermon for another day. Then. But he says, hey, occupy till I come. Work for me till I come. Use your hands to work for me. Use your feet to work for me. Use your voice to work for me. Use your brain, your mind to work for me. Use your resources to work for me. And if you seek first my way of doing it, see, that's the work that counts. 
Nothing else will count in the end but what you did for the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, fear God, keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of a man. That's it. Or a woman of God. Right there. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, and, and when you do that, I'll add everything else to you. I know what you have need of. I will supply all your need according to your riches, my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You, get, you spend all your time and energy working for things you want. And never do any work for what people need or what I need you to do. See, it's, it's, it's a difference in working for wants than it is working for needs. Mm-hmm. And God will supply everything that we need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If we're working for him, if we seek in his way of doing things first, things that we, we need will be added to us. Even some things that we want. He said, I give you the desires of your heart if you walk up right before me. If you walk in the counsel of the word, you know, if you st- st- stand on the word, let that be your foundation that the gates of hell won't prevail against you. See, that's when the thief comes, when you're not standing on the firm foundation. You're not standing and building on the rock, laying on that foundation that have already been laid, which is the teaching of the apostles and prophets, where Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of every building. Of every building. And so he said, occupy till I come. You know you know the work that I called you to do. Do that work. And then he goes on to say, as Paul writes to the church in, in, uh, in the Corinth, uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 7, the King James Bible, uh, notice the letter here that Paul writes in here. And he's Paul trying to help them because no doubt there were some shameful practices, some shameful things going in, going on in the life of all these individuals we're talking about. Also, in the churches where some of them probably fellowship. Mm. So let's kind of see here what he's telling this church in here in this epistle. He says, so that ye come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice what he says, so that ye come behind in no gift. So see, what Paul is saying is this, without you being prepared for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the way you use your gift don't mean nothing. The way you fascinate people with your gift don't mean nothing. Don't mean nothing. If you fail to prepare yourself for his coming and you fail to use the gift to prepare the people for his coming. You know, we say we're gifts to the body. For what? To edify the saints, to build them up, and to mature and perfect them for the work of ministry. Paul said, hey, if that's not what you're using your gift for, man, you ain't prepared for his coming. Don't care how many gifts you got. Don't care how many gifts you got. Paul said, you know, uh, uh, righteousness don't come by how well you use your gift. Righteousness become until come when you're doing the work that he called you to do for edifying people in righteousness. You know, don't, 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 because some people can have gifts. And use it in an unrighteous way. You know, to try to exploit people, to try to get, you know, try to be wonderful and take all the focus off of the righteous Lamb of God and try to put it on them. And people start talking about how righteous they are. And they let them do it. They, they love to have that reputation. Paul says, so don't, don't, don't come behind no gift now. Mm-mm. No righteousness come behind your gift. Come behind your relationship with him. Are you, are you, are you, the righteousness of God through the blood of, blood of Jesus. Not your gift. Your gift don't make you righteous. The blood of Christ makes you righteous. 
And so Paul said, is it, have you obtained and reached this level of, of, of righteousness yet? So that you only use the gift the way God gave it to you. The only way God wants to use it in the body of Christ is to build up the saints. It's not to tear them down. It's not to lord anything over them. It's not to compare you to them and, and make yourself look like you're more righteous than they are because you operate on a certain gift. And sometimes you got people thinking it's a gift, but it's really not, nothing but flesh. Now remember now, Satan can duplicate some things, but it's not the original. Satan can duplicate some things, some unrighteous things. You know, he's got some power. He's got some influence. He's got psychic power and all that stuff. That's darkness. That's, you know, that's his tactics. It's not righteous, the righteous works of God. You know, so, so he's, he's, he's telling them right there in that church, be very, very careful. Don't come behind in no gift now. And Paul said, every gift, you bring it forward to use it the way God gave it to the body of Christ. The way he, you know, used certain ones in the body. Use those gifts for what he gave them for. Better find the saints. Building them up and maturing them in the work of ministry. You know, that's what Paul is saying. Amen. And so let's go a little further here. He continues to write this epistle to the this epistle to the uh, to the church in Corinth over in the fourth chapter, first book of First Corinthians, chapter four, verse five of the King James Bible. Listen to what he says here. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. My God. Don't spend your gift judging everybody, condemning everybody, you know. Don't spend your gift doing that. Don't spend your time doing that. He said, judge nothing before it's time. Some of us get saved, get ordained, think we got a little anointing, and we want to condemn everybody. You know, we want to become legalists. You know, we want to put everybody down. We we want to try to compare everybody to me. That you know, I'm I'm the example. I'm the one that God is using. You know, y'all. You know, you can hear it sometimes in the language. Y'all, it's it's y'all, y'all, y'all. It's no longer we. You know, it's I and y'all. It's no longer us. You know, and Paul saying, hey, therefore judge nothing before it's time until the Lord come. Remember now, we're talking about. The coming, the second coming of the Lord. You know, be not ashamed now. Do no shameful things now. Don't let the word of God, don't let your relationship with the Lord be a stumbling block and an offense to anybody. And don't you be the instrument of causing people to stumble and be offended in Christ Jesus. Because we put people down. We condemn people, you know. We control people. And we make it clear that we're better than you. Because we've already arrived. Ain't none of us gone to heaven yet. If it get any better, that's where we'll be. So I, so I hope you're getting the message here, amen, that Paul is saying to this church. Obviously, there was a lot of judgmental spirits in this church. Or he wouldn't be pointed out. And he says, hey, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. And now if you if you you an overcomer when he comes, you will sit with him on that seat, you know, but you got to do it to the end to be able to see if that's going to be your reward. Not now, 
you know, none of us have died and gone to heaven yet. Who He said, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, all those things that we've been ashamed of, even after we got saved. You know, remember Peter now, he knew the Lord. He told me we were never going to deny him. And the first time he was asked about him, he denied him. He was in shame, put to shame, stomping all over the place, offended by that, arguing with the people who asked him, did he know him, told him he was with them. Will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And it came out of Peter's heart. The Lord had already revealed it to him and told him. And so Peter had to face up to what the Lord had told him before, what was in his heart. Because why? God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. That's the seat of unrighteousness, you know. And then shall every man have praise of God. Eventually, Peter praised him. Eventually, the others praised him. Eventually, we're going to praise him. We're praising him now because we know, amen, that he is our praise. We know that he inhabits our praise. We know that everything we receive is not based on how good we are and what we did. It's based on the finished work of Jesus on that cross. It's based on his shed blood that we have remission of our sins, cleansing of our righteousness. And that's why we praise God for what he's already done, for what he's doing, and what he's going to do. And we worship him just as much for who he is. He is the righteous man of God. His blood, shed blood, have made us righteous before the Father. That's why we praise him. He's already shed that blood. And Paul is reminding them, it's not so that we can be judges, but we can be, you know, proclaimers of the good news of the gospel, teachers and preachers of the good news of the gospel. Paul said, of that I'm not ashamed, because that's the power of God and the salvation for all who shall believe. But how can they believe except they hear? And how can they hear except they'll be a preacher? Amen. So we're going to bring it in right there at, um, let's do one more verse and then we'll end right here. And that verse is going to come out of the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, the King James Bible. And this is our last verse for this morning. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So, hey, you're saved. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling until the end. If you're not saved, get saved so you can become the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. So we will be prepared for his second coming. Amen. So you got a choice. Righteousness or unrighteousness. Saved or unsaved. Shame or no shame. So you have to decide. Father, we thank you this morning. We praise you this morning for the word. We thank you this morning, Lord God, that we understand, Lord God, what it is that you desire, is that we not stumble, is that we not let the, the word of God in the name of Jesus be an offense to us, but God, that we see that only through his shed blood can we become the righteousness of God. So, Father, we thank and praise you this morning for this word that have gone out. We pray that for those who have heard this word, Lord, that this word will do them good like a medicine that this word will cause some unrighteous person to want to become righteous, that this word will convict that unrighteous spirit, that person who's living in shame, hiding right now, God, their sins right now, ashamed, Lord God, ashamed, Lord God, secret Christians, ashamed to let people know that they love God, ashamed to let people know that they want to be saved because they're trying to blend in. Peer pressure has ruined many, Lord God. And so, Father, we're praying right now that this word will stick, that this word will convict, this word will penetrate. This word, Lord God, will free someone. They'll come out of shame and stop stumbling all over what they know is right. And stop being offended because 
they know the name of Jesus, but they're ashamed. They were raised up in it. They were taught it from the beginning, from their young age. And now they've gone into the world and allowed the world to script them of their roots, to script them of their salvation, Lord, because they've offered them another way. And you said there's that way in the man that seemeth right. It's the way of the world, but it leadeth to the way of destruction, death. So we're praying this morning that this word will not come back void or do what you please in the purpose which you sent, which is to heal our disease and rescue us from destruction yes. and make us righteous, God, through the blood of Jesus. So we give you praise for it now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and offer this prayer to the God above. Amen. All right, then we'll praise the Lord. We're going to transition into our comment time. Pastor Sharon will start us off, followed by Pastor Eric, Pastor Phoebe. Amen. Yes, praise the Lord. Thank God. For the word this all right all right all right well praise the lord praise the lord praise the lord everybody ladies and gentlemen brothers and sisters in christ this morning saints of god prayer warriors intercessors hungry thirsty people for more of god's word this morning amen thank god for jesus this morning the living word but thank god also for the rhema word that, that that comes alive off of the pages from logos amen transforms right into rhema meaning living amen move from the letter quickens us amen in the spirit and it becomes alive amen so that we might be made alive or bought alive but that's what the word does for us when it goes in it creates it cuts it frees it delivers it heals it brings about the things of God, the purposes of God, the plans of God. And his plan and purpose is that, beloved, we would prosper and be in health, even as our soul prosper. God desire our way to prosper. So excited this morning about what thus says the Lord and what he's about to say to us and what he's already said. So, Father, we just give you all the praise this morning, glory and honor, as we acknowledge you this morning and make known to you our love and our adoration this day. We love you, Father. We love your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. We love the Spirit of truth, your gift from you, Lord God, the promise from you, the Holy Ghost, God, the Holy Ghost who's with us now, lead, guide, and directing us this morning, teaching us all truth and bringing all truth uh, back to our remembrance from within because he is the teacher that lives on the inside of us. And with respect to him this morning, Holy Ghost, we just ask you to guide us through this teaching this morning. Bring these fresh revelations to reality this morning that we may be able to hear them mm -hmm. and it may produce faith in us to believe God that we can supernaturally, miraculously be healed by him through the words of our prayer. Amen. And so, Father, we give you glory. We give you honor this morning for us in Jesus' name. Now, Holy Ghost, have your way as we pray together. Abba, Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is your kingdom, the power and the glory. It all belongs to you. Even our bodies we present to you this morning as a living sacrifice, holding something to God without spot or without wrinkle, sanctified by thy word. Thy word is truth this morning, kept by your word. And we give you all the praise and glory and honor that you sent your word, Jesus Christ, the living word, Lord God, to heal our disease and rescue us from destruction. We thank you this morning that Jesus Christ was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, with whose stripes we are already healed. And we believe this report, we publish this report, we stand on this report, because this is the report of the Lord. And whose report do we believe? 
the report of the Lord concerning our healing this morning. For in Jesus' name, we offer this prayer to the God above who hears prayers and answers them and show us great and mighty things, miraculous, supernatural healings taking place in our bodies and in our lives, and not only ours, but our family and all that we've been praying for, for healing yes. for us in Jesus' wonderful name that we pray for healing this morning for those right now, God, who are fighting for their life, struggling with the COVID spread, Lord God, the, the, the Delta virus, oh Lord God, the Omicron virus, and any other virus, flu bug that's out there, God. We, we, we declare right now, Lord God, release from it for your people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord again, everybody. This is Pastors Lester and Sharon Hayes here this morning. Uh, amen to host the School of Healing this morning. And thank you all for joining us <clears throat> wherever you're coming in from, calling in from, joining from. We pray that the word reach you mm -hmm. today. Amen. And be a blessing to you. Amen. So this is Sunday morning. Amen. December the 19th, another day the Lord has made, 2021. And so we thank God for this brand new day. And we've been talking on the subject in School of Healing about healthy living that leads to living healthy. And we know there is a path forward to this, to the region of Tain, living, you know, healthy and even wealthy because health is wealth, as we have already affirmed and confirmed. And one of the scriptures that we have been kind of uh, profiling and really spending some time and wrapping our, our thoughts and our minds around came out of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, the King James Bible, where it talked about whether there well, said what whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatever ye do, do all amen to the glory of God. And so there's glory for God to be had in things that we eat, choices that we make, what we're going to feed ourselves with naturally, and also what we're going to feed ourselves with spiritually all those are different foods and, and and nutrition and nourishment that god desires that we partake of that's why he said beloved i wish above all things that i would have prospered and be in health even as your soul prosper he also wants our life and our way of living to prosper too mm. so therefore he's given us some some choices to make amen but it's up to us to put forth the discipline to do those things that the lord have instructed us to do <clears throat> and so we've been dealing with what we've been eating and what we've been putting in our in our in our bodies to nourish our bodies physically also spiritually and this is where the word comes in at and it points us toward you know making better choices and selections about you know food that we can eat to be able to help provide strength and and you know and, and nutrients and energies and and you know and those amino acids and proteins that we really need in order to function to our highest level of well-being and health amen let's just face it all sickness we, we, we determine starts in the gut, and so does all healing. Amen. Uh, we know that there are some things, man, that go on in the gut. Amen. Uh, a lot of it is because of our lack of knowledge about what, how the gut is structured, what takes place in the gut. Uh, and so when we defile something, as we learned, uh, we make it dirty and we make it lose some of its purity. Uh, there is a certain level... <coughs> A bacteria that should be in the gut but there's also sometimes more bacteria that need to be there and there's other things that take burns a lot of times all this other uh, stuff gets in our gut through chemicals toxins get deposited there and they eat away at the guts natural ability man to to filter out some of these things and so we want to be able to help our gut out <clears throat> by monitoring and making better choices about the things 
we put in our gut from the start. I would say this, uh, you know, about about putting purchasing or buying or shopping for stuff to put in our gut, we should never wait until we're sick to decide what we're going to put in our gut. The key is to try to put it, something in there so you don't get sick. It's amazing sometimes how we want to run out as human beings and try to buy all this stuff, you know, antibiotics and everything, man, not to try to stuff our gut because we, after we get sick, uh, I've been very guilty of that because until uh, I started taking classes years ago about uh, diabetic management, I had no clue. I never thought and dreamed in a vision I'd be a type 2 diabetic. But in 2003, yes, I was diagnosed. And immediately the first thing the doctor recommended to me was I go take some classes so I could understand what was going on in my body, in my gut, in my organs, and how they were working and, and how I could do things to kind of help myself. And so I took advantage of that. Thank God my wife happened to be the wellness instructor at her clinic that provided that training, amen, and I still get some of it here at home today. Not that I'm the greatest student for doing that, but I've been a student, so it's, it's, it's on me to be a good steward. You know, I can't say that I didn't know. I know better now, and so I'm not gonna really perish I believe because of a lack of knowledge about diabetic management, but I'm going to do everything I can <clears throat> to try to help myself out. Amen. And so, you know, uh, if uh, if we are to burn, well, I won't go into that because that talks about the Bible, so that's really not applicable. But we know the Lord said there's nothing that we put in our body that defiles the body, but it's what comes out of the body. However, you know, we can make the body sick. You know, that word defile, remember, it makes it dirty and all that. But we can't make it sick. You know, we can't make it sick by what we do. How can I eat more like Jesus? That was the big question because I, I love his diet. I, I never saw in there where he got sick. Uh, you know, I never saw, you know, him. He, he walked places, man. He was healthy. He taught all throughout the night, man, prayed all night, man. You know, I mean, he put himself through some serious physical strength, you know, to be able to do the will of God. And I say, man, where did he get all this energy from? Because we really never focused on the physical aspects of Jesus, but we focused mainly on the spiritual aspects. But he had to live a physical life, too, because he was the incarnated word made flesh. And so right away, that set off an alarm in me. He was the word. And so the word is like health to our body and marrow to our bones because Jesus was the word. So that's where he got most of his strength from. And then he did eat natural food, too, because he had to keep going. And uh, I believe that, you know, he ate what was available in that day. We didn't have all this high-speed process uh, modernization back then, you know, uh, air fryers and, you know, and, 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 and peanut oil and all that stuff you could cook with. He didn't have all that. They did have olive oil, you know, they did have olives, you know. So that was the number one oil back then. They didn't have all these variety and choices, you know. They had one drink, water, you know. They didn't have coffee and, and all these. They may have had tea, but it, coffee, they didn't have water and wine. Red wine was what they drank, and that wasn't red wine. That was 80 proof, you know. It was fermented a little bit, but it was red wine, you know. And even Paul said, take a little bit of wine for your stomach. You know, it settles things. I'm not a wine drinker. I have drank a little bit of wine because I got caught up in that back in the day when that for, I first heard that. I was like, wine, good for you. So I sipped just a little bit. I didn't like the taste of it, you know. But sometimes we got to get beyond bitter taste and go for the health benefit. 
you know, and I'm not telling you to run out to the wine store. It's okay if you do, but don't go out there and get the 80 proof, the 30 proof, the 40 proof, the 50 proof. Uh, some wines out there around about 6 or 7% alcoholic. That ain't going to hurt you, but you want to do that in moderation because the Bible did say it's good for your stomach. Amen. And so based on the Bible and the historical records, Jesus most likely ate a diet similar to the Mediterranean diet, which included foods like kale, uh, pine nuts, dates, olive oil, lentils, and soups, okay? Uh, uh, he all, they also baked a lot of fish, and I was looking at some things of how they baked their fish. They caught the fish, man. They cleaned it. Sometimes they didn't. They just threw it on the fire, man. They built a big fry pit, threw the fish on there, and how they ate it, they just, once it cooked, they pulled the skin off, they ate the meat off the bone, and they threw everything else away, you know? I mean, hey, that's 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 how they did it, man. And so, you know, there's a lot that we can learn by understanding the history of those disciples, those followers of Jesus, and even Jesus, amen, because he had to eat as the son of man. It's interesting. Uh, there are some doctors out there, amen, that have done some tremendous work on these guidelines about how Jesus, what Jesus ate. And uh, I became interested in this about six or seven months ago. Uh, I look at a lot of diet stuff that I get sent through the mail because, you know, once once you do one Google research, man, boom, everybody going to send you stuff. And so I try to read. And the ones I try to look for and pay attention to, the ones that point me to Scripture, the ones that point me to what, you know, what they did in the Bible, what they ate, and I become very interested. And so Jesus was one of those <clears throat> that these doctors had did some research on. As a matter of fact, two of those doctors was a doctor by the name of A.J. Jacobs and Dr. Colbert, which is one that we look at sometime on Dr. Oz. And he really got some nice books out. I used to, I still have some of those books in my library that strictly talks about nutrition and diet based on the scriptures. Amen. So it might be a good, a good book to add, some good books and literature to add to your library if you're interested. Some of people are just not readers. You know, they like to listen, but they don't like to read. They don't learn by reading and studying. They learn by hearing, you know. So there's type, uh, all types of uh, resources out there to help us learn some of these things. So when we look at uh, uh, breakfasts, that's, you know, eating breakfast, that's at the beginning of the day, which is what we're going to focus on a little bit today and the end of the day, some very simple things that, that you know, we can do. And uh, I thought about Jesus, how he rose early to go about doing what he was going to do. And now he went to, I don't say he went to bed, but I'm pretty sure he rested. But uh, at night, you know, and so sometimes he did it all. He, he worked all night, you know, because I guess he had the, the energy to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, and so, you know, there are like three meals that the American diet calls for. One is breakfast, then lunch, and then dinner. And, uh, you know, and so... I was looking at some things uh, that I remember learning about managing diabetes, <clears throat> and I kind of have drifted and gotten so far away from them, but here in the last few days, I pulled myself back, try to pull myself back into them, and I'm trying to discipline myself to get down to eating that last meal between 4 and 6 in the evening. If you think it's easy, I'm here to tell you you're dead wrong. But I'm working on it, and I've gotten a lot better. And the reason that is is because, see, once you eat that meal around between 4 and 6, it's helping your body now to go into a, a metabolic uh, process. 
that really kicks in around about four or five hours after you eat that last meal. I mean, it's working all the time, but there's a metabolic process that we got to assist and help our bodies out with. And so the later we eat, the, the further we push that process back from getting kick-started. And that's very important because what you put in your body's got to be broken down. The nutrients got to be absorbed and abstracted. There's got to be a process to eliminate stuff out of your body. And so that's why it's so important that somewhere between four and six, we eat that last meal. Now, one of the things that I learned through some of this literature is if you're going to eat something after those hours, then I was one of the highly recommended things was an apple or a piece of fruit. Don't eat a whole lot, just a piece of fruit or something like that, you know, to get you through. Because around about 10 o'clock at night, if you follow that, that time schedule, is when the metabolic process between 10 o'clock, some of the recommended studies out there say between 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock in the morning, is when your body, why, see, while you're sleeping and resting, which you should, it's recommended falling asleep, you know, going to sleep, resting, shut the body down, don't be doing a whole lot of stuff that requires activity and all that. Let the, let the internal organs now begin to work on that food that you put in there around 4 or 6 you know, and drink that bottle of water because <clears throat> what that bottle of water does, it's also, a, it hydrates the body, but it also flushes out toxins because there's a lot of toxins in food. Some of us take medicine at night, you know, there's a lot of toxin buildup and you need that water versus any other drink because I'm gonna tell you, we're gonna talk about water today because it's so important, amen, uh, to the body functioning the way it should. Amen. And so that last drink, which I issued you all a challenge back on the 12th and told you, let's start drinking one eight ounce uh, glass of water every morning. Let it be our first drink every evening. Let it be our last drink. It's because of the process that the organs go through to try to deal with the food by breaking it down, getting rid of the, 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 uh, <clears throat> the uh, toxins and other deposits of things that are left in our body. Mucus build up. A lot of those different things that we don't really pay attention to until we get sick. And then we're like beating ourselves up. I should have did this. I should have drank less of that. I should have had less of this. And sometimes it's, it's at our detriment. And so because we want that metabolic process not to be hindered, not to be clogged up, not to be slowed down. You know, we want it to function to its, its full effect because we got stuff we don't put in our bodies. And we want everything to go to the right part of our body where it should be. Uh, the right things to be absorbed, the right things, you know, that can, can fuel the cells in our body, you know, and so we have it out. And water is one of the highly recommended drinks to do that because somewhere between 70 and 80 percent of our body makeup is water. And so it's very important that the water uh, get replenished so that the body can function and all those organs can be fueled. Like water is like also a, it hydrates, it also a cleanses but it's also fueling those, those organs to function the way they should function. It boosts the lymphatic system so it can drain properly. See, I'm learning all of this stuff, man, because I, I'm a, I gotta be a steward over this temple. I can't just take for granted. I can't just run to all the health experts, man, cause sometimes they trying to make money, so they'll sell you anything. It could be a, a kickoff or anything, sound good, look good, 
but it might not work for you. And so I'm trying to learn all this stuff so I can understand how the anatomy, how the internal organs, how everything works on the inside because why? It's what comes out of a man that defiles him. And so if you ain't put nothing in there, if you ain't taught your organ nothing, if you ain't trained them nothing, if you ain't disciplined yourself to be able to help them out, they will shut down on you and they will fail. They'll be sluggish, you know, and, and you'll be tired and you know, and you're trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And so we start taking all these uh, nine to five drinks and stuff, trying to boost energy and we're not helping our body because it can't use that stuff. It'll give you a quick high and boom, then you crash, man. And you like me, like sleeping to eternity. You know, you just can't get started. It's because the, the, the organs in the body are not firing with that energy that you need to get started. Amen. So we got to be very careful about, you know, the types of stuff that we eat. And when I look at Jesus and some other characters in the Bible, and I looked at the physical feats that they had to accomplish to get from one place, from Capernaum all the way to Jerusalem, was not around the corner. And they had to walk, and they did not have, man, these these, uh, these these shoes that we buy with all this nice insole and cushion to absorb it. Man, it was foot to ground with a little strip of leather that maybe. Some of them walked barefoot. That's why when they got there, the first thing Abraham and them did was wash their feet because they had, they had mud caked up on them because they had, they had to walk. But their feet was healthy when they got the mud off of them, you know. <clears throat> and so it's a lot we can learn from that amen so what food did jesus eat again it's so important that uh, we can learn from that amen and, and hopefully have the health benefit that he had from eating that way uh, health benefits of drinking water first thing in the morning i thought this was so important that i found in some of my research there was a particular doctor who did some some findings and some research with real people now they didn't just go out here man and come up with this but in their own personal life and some research they did with, you know, some placebo groups. And then there were some who they actually practiced on to grab the data because they had to have a comparison. So this is research that had been done, peer-reviewed research. I don't just give you stuff that, you know, that I heard about, but I research it. And then I try to see if it, it follows the, 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 the pattern of thought that I'm following in the Bible. It's got to make sense to me spiritually, just like it does naturally. And plus, I'm trying something right now that I challenged you with last time we met was about drinking that eight-ounce glass of water first thing in the morning before you drink your coffee, your teas, or anything like that. And I'm going to tell you why in a little bit. And then the last drink of the day uh, with that meal or right before, 30 minutes before you go to bed, I try to, I'm taking a bottle of water with me now. And the last thing I do 30 minutes before I shut it down is I drink that, I drink you know, uh, about half of that bottle of that water. And I'm telling you, man, it has changed the way I feel within my body. I mean, like, it's real. And, and here's another thing about water that I learned. It helps the blood circulation. That's so important because, see, when your blood is circulating, okay, it's moving stuff. It's moving stuff. And sometimes there are things, toxins, there's mucus, there's things that get in there that slow down the circulation process. And that water keeps the circulation going, which is what you want to happen. You want to keep that blood flushed out, all those things moved on into the kidneys and on out of the body through urine and whatnot. And I'm here to tell you, my urine color has gone from being a little bit yellowish to just clear now. And so that lets me know that the process is working to eliminate all those toxic chemicals that get caught up in your urine, get caught up in your body because your kidneys are filtering this stuff out. And so you want to help all these organs be fueled to do that. Lymphatic system. One of my first diagnoses was my lymphatic system was out of control. I was swollen up like a football player or a weight builder, you know, a weightlifter. But now, see, I don't have that problem. 
You know, I can feel it. My joints feel better. And it's because this water is being that lubricant and it's pushing that circle and it's pushing it right on out. And here's another thing that I throw in there with it. I learned <clears throat> deep breathing. I'm doing deep breathing now. First thing in the morning, I do. I take my time. I take in a deep breath and fill my lungs up. And then I count to three as I let it out. You know, I, I, I suck it in and I let it out. You know, that's one of the first things I'm doing now. And then at night before I go to bed, I do those same deep breathing exercises, you know, before I drink that water. Uh, and they were saying this is one of the things, too, man, it's, it, it helps you strengthen your lungs, which also helps support the other organs in your body. You know, you got all this unique anatomy inside, you know, where all the things happen inside not what come, goes in, but what comes out. And so you're getting rid of some stuff. You're helping some stuff. You're, 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 you're fueling some things inside your body that need that help. So that's what I do. I take those consecrated, deep breaths in the morning, and I do it again at night purposely. And then while I'm sitting here at the counter sometimes or in there on the couch, I go through it about two or three times a day. Why? Because I'm getting ready to eat lunch, so I'm putting more stuff in. I'm getting ready, you know, you know, in the evening to eat. So I put, I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that I jumpstart every organ in my body that it can function to do what it's supposed to do when I put that food in there. And so water is one of those highly recommended drinks. And here's why there's a health benefit. Drinking water first thing in the morning flushes out stomach, the stomach and therefore balances your lymphatic system. Your lymphatic system, none of the systems in your body just start automatically. We got to help them out. Water is the fuel to all those systems. Get them started. Kickstart them. And most of the time, it's the lymphatic system that's not properly drained that causes a lot of problems. Stiffness, stuff in your joints, pain in your joints. It's because the circulation can't get through like it should to take energy, to take oxygen. So you get a buildup. And that's why you get a lot of pain sometimes, chronic pain in your joints, in the stiff and whatnot. It's because there's stuff that's held up there, you know. And when the when and when the circulation system try to push it through, it can't because you got a little bit of blockage there, you know. And that water helps lubricate. Now here's another key to water that I've been doing now for years. I got to get back to it because I've kind of gotten off of it, but I can tell the difference is warm water or hot, slightly hot water in the morning is one of the quickest ways because you have to understand. Sometimes in night when we drink that water, it don't always get rid of everything. But the first drink you drink in the morning should be water. And if you can drink warm water, an eight-ounce glass of warm water, a little bit hot, but not so hot it burns your tongue and all that and put blisters in your mouth. That's not the key. What it does, that warm water, here's what happens. It raises the temperature inside the body. And what does that cause? It causes inside your body to start to sweat. And before you know it, that sweat comes out of your pores. Guess what's coming out of your pores? It's getting rid of toxins. It's getting rid of waste out of your pores, you know. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I used to go to a restaurant, give me a cup of hot water. That's the reason I was doing that, but I kind of got away from that. Now I'm, I'm getting back to it, and I can tell the difference, you know. It helps my digestive tract. When I do that in the morning, right away, man, when I get off this line, I got to go to the bathroom and relieve myself. It's because the digestive system has been assisted. It's been helped out. You know, it's pushing stuff right on through my body, you know. And so if you can drink that warm, I know sometimes you say, well, I want my cold, my ice cold water. That's okay. I drink room temperature water. A lot of you know that about me. But I also drink a cup of hot water in the mornings too. I nuke it for about one minute and 45 seconds and drink it. 
And I throw a little bit of honey in it sometimes and a little bit of lemon because that also helps the process too. But it's all about that digestion. You know, you want to help it in the morning to get rid of stuff and push it on through. And uh, there are other things you can take, but it when you do other things besides water, you don't get the clean, uh, the cleanest flush that you can get. You know, you don't assist your digestive system because it was geared to take on water for that reason. And the hydrate. I don't have dandruff anymore because I realize drinking warm water also keeps your scalp hydrated. It helps your hair to grow. It helps the texture of your hair to be different. My hair has never been this soft like it is now. And when I was doing the research, I contributed that to the water because it washes all that buildup out. You know, you got to remember when, when blood circulates, the first place it goes is up to your brain. And there are things all up in your nasal cavity and whatnot that, you know, that stuff gets flushed out. You know, you don't have a buildup. And so that's one of the benefits for water that boosts that lymphatic system. And now every human being has got lymph nodes all over their body, thousands of lymph nodes. I didn't know this until I was diagnosed with chronic lymphatic lymphoma. And it was because the lymph nodes had swollen. They had become so full of stuff that they, that they needed to drain. You know, and I didn't know that. That was the key to discovering that I had, lymph, uh, you know, CLL stage four. But, you know, when, when I made the change and went to that plant-based diet and I started really pushing the water versus all that other stuff, I began to notice a change. My lymph nodes came under control. They're still under control. And I swole up like, like I was because now I'm understanding how the anatomy inside my body works just like outside. <clears throat> and so those are just some benefits. Staying, um, why, why should we drink water at all? You know, some people say, I can't stand water. I got to have me a Diet Coke. I got to have me a soda. I got to have me some orange juice, some apple juice. I got to have all these other things. Well, staying hydrated is essential to keeping your bodies healthy, healthy and satisfied. The body got to be satisfied. Yes, it's 80% water. You got to keep that satisfied, that craving satisfied, you know, by being hydrated. For starters, our body is made up of 70 to 80% water, so it is a no-brainer that we need to provide our bodies with more and more water and less and less of all the other stuff. Not saying you can't have teas, coffee is really good, but there's some things that we should put in our bodies before all those things which will have a health benefit. There are many health problems, both long and short term, that can come about from dehydration. I know this to be true. I done prayed for a lot of people, and you figure out right away, when last time, well, I ain't drank water. I know I they They dehydrated, you know, and they got to go to the doctor. The first thing they do when they get to the emergency room, call the nurse with a, with a what they call IV. They got to stick IV in them. And as soon as they get the IV in them, man, all of a sudden they perk back up. The body gets fueled. The, the systems inside get fueled. The organs get fueled. And before you know it, man, they ready to go home before, you know, after four or five hours. They keep them overnight sometimes to observe them because it has put a strain on the other organs in there because you were dehydrated. Nothing is moving, you know, and you just can't function that way. These include migraines, you know, dyspatia, hypertension, kidney stone, breast cancer, uh, uh what is this here? Uterine cancer, sinus, sinusitis, pulmonary tuber, tu, tuberculosis, and obesity. That lack of hydration. Because remember now, everything shuts down. The lymphatic system get clogged up. The circulation don't move like it should. So it shuts down a lot of internal processes. Remember, the, metabol the, the metabolic process, 
between 10 o'clock at night and 2 o'clock in the morning. There's work going on to, to, you know, to get these organs, man, to do what they're supposed to do. Why are you sleeping? Why are you giving your body rest? Because, you see, you're not, you're not doing anything when you're sleeping but resting. But your organs are still working. There's a metabolic process going on because the body is amazing. It can rekindle itself, replenish itself. It can even heal itself. But we got to do our part to help it out, you know, so don't, all these things don't show up. Uh, in fact, uh, there was a, a study done in a Japanese population uh, known to be one of the, the uh, slimmest cultures, slimiest cultures, and they drink water immediately after waking up. A lot of us do that. Americans do that a lot. But some folk got to have alcohol. I knew some guys, man, I used to hang out with station with, man, they had to have beer. Mm. They drank beer all night before they went to bed. The first thing they grabbed in the morning was a beer. It was crazy. So how can we avoid long-term water dehydration effects in the morning? Uh, we should drink at least, you know, three cups of water right after waking up. I said cups now. Build up your tolerance for drinking it. Uh, this much water every day. It takes work. You got to do it. You got to build it up. You know, you can't just go in there and do it because it, it's, 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 if it's not your normal drink, you might get turned off for it. You want to get to that coffee. I know I do too, but I'm disciplining myself to wait to after I get my water in me. And then I know I see Pastor Sharon got it over there. I'm smelling it. I'm looking at it. I know next I'm going to enjoy me some coffee. So I treat that coffee now like a benefit or extra award because Coffee, too, have some health benefits, but nothing on the level of water, mm. okay? And so always drink water 30 minutes before eating a meal, okay? That's what I'm doing now. I got my breakfast in front of me, but I'm drinking my water. Uh, try to avoid drinking water two hours after a meal, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, okay? Try to do it 30 minutes before, 30 minutes after, and then just kind of chill, you know? Uh, when uh, when will you see results from this? A lot of you, I told 21 days, and so some of you have already told and reported back to me that you're beginning to feel the effect, and it's good. You like it. You're feeling better, more energetic, more alive. You know, more more like everything is functioning better now. So I would tell you to keep doing that. You know, and and hopefully there's going to be some serious testimonies if you really discipline yourself to do that challenge. Okay. Uh, if you are a sufferer of constipation, uh, gastroitis, any of those type things, uh, uh, what I called, uh, I used to have it, it was, it was a, an irritable bowel syndrome, you know, buildup in, in that bowel. Uh, you know, I started doing water for 10 days and it eliminated it just like that. You know, even the doctor had told me that I might, be, I might have it because I was putting a lot of acidic stuff in my gut you know what I'm saying? And it wasn't being flushed out at the rate it should have been. So it would cause me to burp up. You know, I didn't like what I was smelling when I would burp up. I said, man, that don't even smell right. You know, but it was causing me some irritable bowel syndrome. And I saw that right away because I used water to kind of flush it out, you know. And I started doing a little bit of uh, baking soda mixed with my water and lemon and uh, apple cider vinegar for about seven days is what one of my health uh, subscribers that I subscribe to recommended, man, it knocked it out just like that, just like that, you know, because with that irritable bowel syndrome, it's a lot of acidic stuff that's built up in your gut, and it, man, I'm telling you, it, 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 it'll bother you, you know, and also, uh, you want to, there's some good bacteria that's supposed to be in the gut, 
a lot of times it's not, you know, it get it get like overwhelmed with everything else because we putting so much of, you know, that acidic stuff in there, and we're not helping, you know, by putting in good healthy bacteria. Uh, so if you are a TB patient, you want to take about ninety days, you know, of doing that. But really, why should we drink water? Okay, let's look at a few things, and then uh, we're gonna get ready to, to get out of out of this. Uh, number one, water drinking water. Okay, uh, the way we just talked about drinking it on that schedule, it improves our overall well-being and a quality of life. You can't go wrong with that drink. Notice what I just said. It improves. Okay, our quality of life, our overall well-being, it improves it. It doesn't take anything from it. It improves it. And that's what we always want to do, make room for improvement. It increases our skin radiance for flawless complexion. I'm telling you, my skin is really changing because I'm, 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 I'm drinking more water now. You know, a little bit of lemon, lime, you know, got my little lemon-lime garlic tea over here that I drink sometimes two or three times a week or a day. And I can tell, I, I can tell when I rub my skin now, man, it just feels different. When I look in the mirror now, yes, I've always had these tenacious spots. I don't know where they came from, uh, but they are even better now. And I, I have to say what the doctor recommended it would do for your skin is happening. And every morning now, I take a, and every night, I take a hot bath towel, I run the water hot as I can get it, I lay it over my face, and I hold it tight to my face, and I breathe in that hot air. I let it go all up in my, you can feel it going all up in my nostrils, all, I, I can just feel it. And I do that three times in the morning. At the same time, I gargle with baking soda, okay, three good gargles with baking soda after I flush out my mouth with hot water, as hot as I can get it, and I burn burning my tongue or anything. And I gargle with that. You know why? I can, I can see the release of mucus that's built up in my throat overnight because the metabolic process is working. Why? I drank water before I went to bed. So I can expect that stuff to be there. And why you want to drink water is so it can flush it on out. Mucus, it'll flush it on out. Because if you swallow that stuff, man, without knowing it all the time, you just put it in your gut. But if you gargle and get it out of your out of your throat right there, sometimes I, food particles come up. I'll be like, man, that was there all night. So it's a benefit to it. And so I use, the doctor told me to gargle with baking soda because of the medications I take. I said, why? It gives off toxins, you know? And that baking soda cleanses. It gets rid of bad breath. It gets rid of plaque, all that stuff that builds up around and between your teeth that you don't get always when you, when, you know, when you, when you brush your teeth. So I do that, man. I feel my mouth feels so much cleaner, so much alive. You know, I, I, I can feel, man, you make my throat feel better. It feels clear, talk better, speak better, even sing and worship God better. So it's a benefit. And then I put that hot towel over my face. It looses my eyes so I can see clearly. It, it, my, my pores are open. And sometimes it feels like I can, I can feel stuff coming out of my pores. And I wipe my face off and I rinse that rag and put it back on. I do that three times every morning. I do that three times at night before I go to bed. And in the daytime when I'm getting ready to go out, I do the same thing before I go out. You know, because I, I, I feel the benefit of it. So there might be something you want to think about there. Uh, skin is important. By drinking water, your body is able to 
release toxins faster, which will therefore give your skin that glow and radiance. Uh, you may use products that you buy to try to kink on and try to do that. You know, save yourself some money, use water. Um, in fact, 500 milliliters of water has proven to increase blood flow and make your skin glow while increasing production of your new blood cells, okay? While releasing the production of your new blood cells, that's a benefit. The storage of water in your body can also cause premature wrinkles and deeper pores, okay? A shortage now, a shortage. Uh, it helps with weight loss besides being less hungry and decreasing cravings by drinking water immediately uh, after waking up, your body is releasing toxins which begin movement in your bowels. This process will recover and improve your digestive system. It improves meta, uh, metabolism. Uh, if you are dieting, you know that just by drinking water on an empty stomach, you can increase your metabolic rate by 24%. By increasing your metabolic rate, you are digesting faster and therefore improving your digestive system. The water also purifies your colon. I thought this was interesting. Letting the organ absorb nutrients faster and think about this, more naturally. Man, I like that, you know. More natural, the better. Uh, increase uh, shine of your hair texture. Did you know that water makes up 25% of the weight of one strand of hair? By decreasing water intake, you are actually causing your hair to turn thin and delicate. Just another reason why drinking water on an empty stomach will increase hair growth and hair characteristics. Relieve heartburn and indigestion. Heartburn and indigestion can be caused by increased acidity in your stomach and acid reflux. Mm in your esophagus. When you drink water early in the morning and, and warm and hot if you can, the water pushes the acidity down and dilutes the and it dilutes in the stomach. The water will decrease the acidity in your stomach so that when it is time for your breakfast, you will be comfortable. I, I be, I'm experiencing this now in real time. Uh, in, uh, inhibits kidney stones and bladder infections. Just like with heartburn, the water will dilute the stomach acidity to decrease the chance of kidney stones. The more water you drink, the more toxins are ridded from your body, which prevents bladder infections. Strengthens the immune system. I love this, man. You know, it strengthens the immune system. Drinking water first thing in the morning flushes out the stomach and therefore balances, listen to this now, the lymphatic system. Do some research sometime to understand the lymphatic system. I, I, I was driven after I got that diagnosis back a while back. A stable lymphatic system will help build a strong immune system, which will prevent us from, from getting sick as often. I hope you have learned about all the benefits of drinking water first thing in the morning by diluting acidity and ridding toxins Water will be your best friend until the end. Now, the author of this medical article is a doctor, doctor by the name of Dr. Ashes Skadeva. You know, uh, one of 
one one of the ones I subscribe to. Now they talking a bunch of junk. I'm, I I delete, but if they talking some good stuff that I have a little bit of knowledge of. I, I, I subscribe to them uh, because this is their daily work. This is what they do. You know, uh, before you your morning coffee, make sure you drink your water. The first thing you drink in the morning should be water. You want to hydrate, uh, rehydrate and have something in your stomach before caffeine is ingested. Uh, here's another little tip. Did you know, okay, this comes from At Plain Health, uh, you should drink half a lemon with a few slices of ginger in warm water multiple times a day to boost your immune system, which is what we've been talking about because we wanted the process of healing to be as natural as, as possible. Uh, system and it reduces mucus. I used to have a lot of mucus buildup. I don't have it anymore, and I contribute a lot of it to the, what I'm drinking now and the, and the process I'm going through to try to eliminate it. And I'm finding out it really works. Ginger water, okay, the healthiest drink to burn all fat from your waist, back, and thighs is ginger water. Mm. You know, awesome and amazing and incredible name of the Lord Jesus Christ to pray for healing from the spiritual the spirit of infirmity. Yeah. Now this is where we at this morning. We can all now now we went through a whole litany of things right there centered and built around water. Something that simple carries so much health benefit to us. No wonder it was the first drink, the most powerful drink and the re most recommended and the number one drink of all those great examples in the Bible. They didn't have access to all these choices we have now. Juice, all I mean, we have a lot more choices now, and just because we have these things available, don't need to mean we need to just go out there and go crazy. You know, we need to make sure we keep, you know, we keep a ample supply of water in our system because of all these things we just talked about. Then they're, they're fueled by water. Things are kicked in by, by water. Dehydration is not a pleasant thing. It puts so much strain on all the other internal organs to function properly the way they should, you know. So let's, 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 let's just end this with a prayer. Father, in the awesome, incredible, amazing name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray this morning for healing. We pray this morning, Lord God, for healing from the spirit of infirmity. Yes, Father, you gave me a, a word that talked about the season that we're living in, these evil days. You told me there were four spirits that we're dealing with right now because we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We know we're fighting against a spiritual assault and attack, especially on the health of your people, the wealth of your people, the disposition of your people, the lives of your people. And so, Father, this morning as we pray against this spirit of infirmity that the enemy is using against our health, and we have contributed, Lord God, to his own slaughter to his ability to kill, steal, and destroy us for a lack of knowledge, what we don't know. But yet you still came that we may have life yes. and have it more abundantly, yes. even now, Father. So we thank you for the healing miracles you have already done, you are doing right now, and for the healing you promised that you would do in Jesus Christ's name, by and with your stripes. Heavenly Father, you are our great physician. Yes. And Father God, you promised that you would not place none of these diseases upon us if we hearken to the voice of the healer and do that he has commanded to do this day and every day henceforth. We acknowledge and confess 
that you are our healer, the one who healed all our diseases and forgives all our sin. You are our Jehovah Rapha who makes our bitter experiences sweet even today. We confess that you are our deliverer, our way maker, our promise keeper, our miracle worker, our light in the darkness. Heavenly Father, you have said to us in your word in the book of Isaiah chapter 55, verse 3, the King James Bible, but he, has, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So be it unto us according to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 5, the King James Bible. So this morning, Heavenly Father, by faith in you, in you as our healer, and with faith and reliance on your word, we declare we are healed according to your word, Lord, in the book of 3 John, chapter 1, verse 2, the King James Bible, where you declare, beloved, I wish above all things that thou would have prospered and be in health, even as your soul prospered. Today our souls have prospered. Now our way in life is about to prosper. Be it so according to the book of John, 3 John, chapter 1, verse 2, the King James Bible. Heavenly Father, we now know the truth about our healing, that according to your word, you want us to be healed, healthy, and wealthy as our souls prosper from and in your word. Thank you, Father God, that healthy living is your will for us that leads to living healthy and wealthy with good, clean, favorable success as our souls now prosper. According to your word, Lord, in the book of 3 John, chapter 1, verse 2, the King James Bible, be it unto us a all. Amen. Let's pray together for healing this morning, saints. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and your optimum health promises to us, your children. We, where we shall live disease-free lives from you, Lord, stress-free, worry-free, bad report-free, depression-free, oppression-free, lives because we choose to believe the report of the Lord that with his stripes we are healed according to the book of Isaiah chapter 53 verses 3 through 5 the King James Bible so be it unto us we pray this morning amen by faith heavenly father we declare that we are pain free we are healthy wealthy we have good success highly favored fortunate worthy to be envied and above all things saved and healed from all evil spirits infirmities afflictions viruses all manner of diseases and sickness in jesus christ's name by faith we further declare that none of the various diseases, infirmities, affliction, viruses, all manner of sicknesses and evil spirits belong to any of us in Jesus Christ's name. We dismiss them now. We counsel every one of these evil works of Satan by your word that you sent, being Jesus Christ, the living word, to destroy the works of Satan and give us a more abundant life in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And so be it. Therefore, we are healed. We are delivered. We are rescued from destruction and death. According to your word in the book of Psalms, chapter 107, verse 20, the King James Bible, he sent his word and healed us and delivered us from all destruction and so we thank and praise you be it in us according to the word of god in the book of psalms chapter 107 verse 20 of the king james bible heaven and father in jesus christ's name we speak jeremiah chapter 17 verse 14 of the king james bible over uh, over our bodies this morning heal me and 
heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. And so, Father, we thank you this morning that we declare Jeremiah's, uh, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 14, chapter 17, verse 14 of King James Bible, against every evil spirit, the spirit of infirmity, disease, affliction, sickness, and viruses. We speak it over every life on this call this morning, over every Sunday morning, henceforth and forevermore, over especially every believer standing in the need of healing because if you heal us we are healed and if you save us we are saved for you are our praise lord thank you father for your word your word we are healed by your word we are healed from your word every part of our physical body mind soul spirit and lives are healed this morning spirit of infirmity we command you this morning right now loose your hold off of and over our lives right now, off of the lives of our family members, off of the, fellow, the lives of our fellow servants and friends, especially those who are saved, our seed and our seed seed, all sick among us, release them right now, your hold on them right now. Amen. Spirit of infirmity, you are counseled now by every word of God in the Bible concerning our promised healing. So be it this morning in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We bind you, spirit of infirmity, and every evil spirit. Now, yes. therefore, you are yes. bound by and according to the word of God. God's word, according to the book of Mark, chapter 11, verse 23, verse 24, the King James Bible. For verily, verily, I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in their heart, but shall believe that these things which we, he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. And so in the name of Jesus, we speak release from every spirit of infirmity, every evil spirit and sickness right now over God's people in the name of Jesus against coronavirus, against mm. Delta virus and Omicron virus and flu virus and any other sickness and disease, chronic cough, anything that affects the respiratory system, any infection, we mm. speak release from it right now in the name of Jesus according to the book of Mark chapter 11 verse 23 through 24 the King James Bible and therefore we believe and therefore we receive and don't doubt in our heart we render your spirit of infirmity harmless powerless and ineffective against us in Jesus Christ's name you are now bound and restricted and divinely restrained by our God and his son Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior which is our healer the hope hope of, of every evil spirit and so, Father, we give you praise that greater is yes. he that's in us yes. than he that's in the world. Yes. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we Amen. thank you this morning, be it in us, according to the book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, the King James Bible. Father, we pray now as we close, Lord God. We now bind the word of God of healing to ourselves and all other believers and save. Therefore, we are healed. We release every evil spirit, infirmity, affliction, disease, virus, manner of sickness, pain and suffering, even the spirit of death from our lives in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And so be it. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on this earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on this earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree yes, on Lord. earth as touching anything yes. that they shall ask, it shall be done unto them by our Father which is in heaven. For where two or three 
are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. Father, we thank you that you've been in our midst. Now hear our prayer and answer it according to your word. Father God, we give you praise, glory, and honor for it right now. For it's in Jesus' name, Jesus. God, that we release this word of healing upon your people. And we bind the work of the enemy, every spirit of infirmity, evil spirit, and various sicknesses right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, then. Well, we finished. Amen. And we're going to go quickly to any comments that you might have. Amen. Starting with our very own Pastor Sharon and followed by Pastor Eric and Pastor Phoebe. Yes, sir. Thank you for your attention.